Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Empire. This is what a modern football think tank sounds like. If I know the certainty of a player, I would love that over a pick. Just over time, you would stay on the round of sports brand, but you're going to hit 55 to 60 percent of the time. So um, that's um, you know something that you're constantly you know keeping in mind. Like that's Mike Tannenbaum, former front office executive of the Jets and Dolphins, who founded the 33rd team, where experience in football can lead to knowledge and opportunity. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Twenty twenty one in some ways is less complicated than twenty twenty and in others, like the last few weeks of the NFL season, even more. So the pandemic is testing everyone, including front offices. Now, that's not the reason why Mike Tannenbaum founded the 33rd team, but it does serve as one of the lessons of leadership in a sport that is consistently evolving. Our guest this week is the former executive vice president of football operations for the Miami Dolphins and the former general manager of the New York Jets. You can see and hear him on ESPN and ESPN Radio now as a front office insider. But we're having Mike Tannenbaum on to talk about what he founded, the 33rd team. It's a football think tank that consists of former NFL head coaches, GMs, and grad students as they try to create some in-depth analysis on college and pro football. Hey, Mike, how are you? Doing great, Bram. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, one quick just NFL thing before we get into the 33rd team. I'm just curious your, your, your viewpoint of how they've handled the pandemic through the last couple of years and how they've tried to keep teams on the field. And in recent weeks with the Omicron variant, dealing with competitive balance. How have you seen that? Well, I would say, you know, overall, I think they've done a, a pretty good job. And, and what I mean by that, um, it's not perfect. I don't think the outcome is perfect, Bram, but I also uh, believe that everything that's been done is you hear a lot of things about joint agreements or jointly with, you know, the NFLPA. And I think that's really important uh, to remember that all these decisions and rules are evolving. It's obviously an insidious virus and they're trying to make the best decisions they can in real time. And I think the Players Association standing shoulder to shoulder with them is a very sensible approach. And and from the perspective of someone who's been in a front office before and run front offices before, what are you thinking about in this time as you try to field teams that give yourself a chance to win? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think a lot of it has to do with um, <clears throat> preparing for eventualities. And, you know, you see some teams separating players or, or calling, you know, recent alums, make sure that they're ready to go. I mean, this is truly a, an all hands on deck approach because you just don't know, um, you know, what's around the corner. So it's so important to be as prepared as possible. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into the 33rd team, which is a site you founded. Um, first, just give me the background of it. Why did you want to do this? 
really, um, I'm, I'm very lucky. Um, I stumbled into it going back, uh, Bram to 2006 when I was fortunate enough to become the general manager of the Jets. Um, my family and I were trying to figure out ways we could help others. And we started a scholarship through UMass where for students that could take opportunities where they were going to work for free, we would give them living wages so they could pursue their dreams much the way I was able to. And I stayed in close contact with the UMass sport management program. And when I became the on-air GM for ESPN, I knew I needed help. So I hired a couple of students uh, at UMass. It went really well, Bram. And um, from there, they were like, well, look, we could give students uh, credit to, to work with you. And what I quickly found, it actually started with Greg Schiano and Jim Caldwell. They were looking to stay current. They weren't with a team. And really, we, what we've become is this platform where students would give their left arm or leg you know, to get their foot in the door in the world of sports. Yeah. And many coaches are just looking for ways to stay current. And we're sort of a clearinghouse between the two. And we have a weekly call. And it's interesting. We started before the pandemic. And I remember telling my wife one day, I'm like, you know, like, we're on Zoom. And these calls are actually pretty good. It's not like being in person, but it's pretty darn close brand. And uh, obviously the world's changed. It has. I do want to go back to one of these. I don't know about you, but I I would like, I I don't mind Zoom, but I'd like to go back one of these days. It'd be nice. I I, I agree with that. Um, And with um, the 33rd team, we actually counted one time. We have 512 years of experience from Uh, uh, Bill Pulley and Joe Banner, um, Doug Peterson, Dan Quinn was with us, Wade Phillips, Eric Mangini. And we'll talk about everything from having six offensive linemen on the field to how would you talk to a player who's not vaccinated? Huh. Um, so what have you learned through this experience working with all of these other people who have been in and around the sport for so long? I, I literally will learn something every week. And I always say that, that um, our goal is by the time we're done with our call, that um, all of us need to have gotten better and learned something. So again, it could be, you know, some scheme. Um, we, we also, you know, watch tape for the draft. We talk about quarterback development and we have like former players on too, like Rich Gannon. So to get, you know, um, their point of view is, is, is really like it's priceless for us. And then what we do is we have a completely free newsletter. If you go to our website, the 3013.com. Um, and our newsletter is completely free. All our content is completely free. Put it out for the world. And, you know, one of our sayings, like when we have our call is, you know, the key to life is what you've learned once you know it all. What's the goal? Are you trying to become a, a content company with this? Are you just, is this just a resource, um, yeah. a pipeline? You know, right now, like we've also taken a, a ton of pride, Graham, in placing uh, men and women in the NFL. Yeah. So we've already placed eight students uh, in the league um, because they've interned for us and have great experience. So. Um, we're putting out our content for free, um, you know, at the appropriate time, we'll look for sponsors, but we're just trying to do it in a very meaningful way. And, you know, right now we're just trying to, uh, sort of share our, our content with the world that loves football. Um, okay. So, um, this, at this point is just kind of a resource and an opportunity to stay relevant, um, within the NFL. Um, how has it changed? since you were a general manager and executive vice president of football operations, as, as you kind of survey the landscape of the NFL, um, how would you describe what's changed about it? In, in what, like the last two years or so? Yeah. I mean, what's different as you sit around and talk to all of these different people, 
um, about the NFL and how yep. it evolves. What, what are you finding out about the yep. National Football League? I, I say a couple things. Like the sport has really evolved. I think it's gotten to much more of a athletically huge premium on speed over size. You know, quarterbacks now. You know, they, they, the patience to uh, develop a quarterback um, really is just uh, like gone. You know, we expect these guys to, you know, just like um, come in and hit the ground running. So there's no patience. And I think like we're looking at more and more of a passing league and one that's um, just there's less physicality in the game, which is probably long-term good for the game and good for the health of players. But there's a lot less patience around like developing players. I don't also recall in the past, it's happened at times, happened here, the, the team that I, that I work with, the Washington football team, where they traded a lot of assets to move up to get Robert Griffin III some almost 10 years ago now. But I don't recall that being the case as often it is, as it is now. Um, how do you think NFL executives view the draft and assets now in the pursuit of finding answers on the field? Yeah, I, I think we're seeing, you know, draft choices have less value in trades. So it's, um, I also think that's good for our sport. I think we're seeing like the proliferation of people moving up, moving back. You know, you can look at that San Francisco trade, uh, not exactly the RG3 trade brand, but, you know, similar in terms of like San Francisco trading up multiple first round picks, wound up taking Trey Lance. So I think we're going to see more of that over time, not much. You sense that, is it the impatience that is, kind of evolving with the movement of assets or are we just in a space where NFL GMs feel like this is what they have to do? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I'm not really sure exactly why, but I think, you know, for, for me, you know, if I know the certainty of a player, I would love that over a pick just over time, you know, depending on the round of course brand, but you're going to hit 55 to 60% of the time. So um, that's, um, you know, something that you, you're constantly, you know, keeping in mind, like, the only now when you give up a pick, you're also giving up, you know, the economic sort of like value of having cost certainty for four yeah. years. So you're going to balance that. But there's competing factors. I think the other really interesting thing is the LA Rams. Like they have tried this approach of like moving on from draft choices for, for you know much more certainty in the Matt Staffords and Jalen Ramseys. And I'm very fascinated to see how that plays out. Yeah, I, they what they don't have a first round draft pick for four or five years coming. They've traded them all away for veteran players. It, it, is, it is fascinating. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Tell me a little bit about what the students do for the 33rd team and, and how they kind of learn from the experience and then potentially find careers in sports. Yep. So that's uh, a great question. So the way it works really is like depending on who the coach is and where they are with their careers, they could break down anything from like, you know, what's playing successfully in the league to sort of like, a lot, some of these coaches really want to do like uh, like detailed analysis on their own like play calling, either offensively or defensively. Uh, they want to look at you know what's playing the league, what the trends are. So it could be stat based, it could be tape based, um, it could be helping getting ready them for the draft. So it's because of the way technology is now and sharing film, it's a lot of different things. But the fact that you can watch film or share film or share cutups. Those things can be done virtually, which is, you know, a, a huge advancement. And for the coaches, as I always tell them, like, we're here to serve them. So whatever they need to help them do their jobs better is, um, and it's not always like a one-size-fits-all approach. All right, since we are a technology podcast, let me ask you a couple questions about modern technology and the sport and see where you think it is. 
Analytics. I assume that the role of analytics has changed dramatically. We're seeing a lot of stuff manifest on the field. Teams go for fourth down a lot more often. Uh, I think this conversation about the value of draft picks probably falls into that conversation as well. Um, How have you seen the role of analytics evolve in putting together NFL football teams? Yeah, I think really it's just about making more informed decisions. Um, You know, just in terms of whatever it may be, like you said, going for a fourth down. And and it's like one of the times we had up in our room, I actually took this from uh, the Cleveland Indians. Uh, I spent some time with them. And the sign was, in God we trust very well as we need data. And really what that stood for more than anything was just a process, a process of, you know, if you're going forward on fourth down, if you're trading up in the draft, if you're signing a free agent, what does that actually look like? What does that actually mean? And that's where I think you're getting more informed and enlightened decisions. You know, there's some college coaches now that simply like don't punt. Um, Mm -hmm. But, and I'm not saying like that's where everything's going necessarily, but I think it's just about the process and using data in a a correct way. Okay. And how about the topic of load management where the season is expanding? uh, Training regimens have changed. Some of it has been negotiated with the NFLPA and some of it has been, I think, just modern training and understanding of the human body. Um, where do you see that going with rosters as load management becomes more and more important, at least in other sports? Yeah, I think again, like to me, what that comes back to is like, in, like if Bill Walsh was on this call, he talked a lot about like the whole notion of being like a great pass rushing team in the fourth quarter. He obviously didn't have the science and the data 40 years ago, but he always talked about like your most meaningful players need to be playing at their best you know, when it matters most. So I think load management is really a more sort of like Bram, like it's a more evolved and thoughtful approach to a very basic concept, which is have your best players available when it matters most. And I think the way you do that is by looking at, and we had great sports performance people at the Dolphins um, when I was there in terms of we would look at, again, and it's just data. And it's just giving you, best information possible to make the best decision. There are no absolutes in life, but you know, if there's a player who has an elevated risk of a soft tissue injury, like let's know that. And then if he can only have, let's say it's a wide receiver and they can only take, you know, seven reps instead of 17, let's make it the most important 17 reps possible. Okay. Last thing. Um, Was the addition of a 17th regular season game, a big deal when we talk about all of these issues, analytics, load management, team building, all of that stuff, how much of a difference did one game make that mattered? Well, you're asking a great question. And simply, I don't think we have the answer, Bram. I think we'll have the answer in a couple more weeks because I don't know. It's it's a great question. I simply don't know if we know how everyone's going to look at the 17th game. And here's what I mean by that. Let's say you're, you've clinched the second, third, fourth, or fifth seed in either conference. So you, you can't get the bye, and you are going to be playing the following week. That may become your bye. So I think it's not going to be all 17 games are not going to be uh, created equal. Um, and I, I can't wait to see how this plays out in the coming weeks. And I think there could be a couple teams, and let's just make one up for the sake of discussion, Tennessee with Derrick Henry. If they're in the playoffs, I can't imagine that they would play Derrick Henry in a game that just would impact seeding. 
And that's what's so interesting about going back to your first question about COVID in the NFL. Again, I think them and the NFLPA have done a reasonably good job. But again, not all games are, they're just not all the same. You know, we saw the Saints the other night where they simply just didn't have, you know, they're out there with Ian Book, whatever, their fourth quarterback and all yeah. the other players they were missing. And we'll have a champion this year, and that champion will have done the best they did in the games they played. But the point being is, I don't know if 17 games will impact teams uh, sort of uniformly. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum, the former GM and executive vice president for two NFL franchises. You can see and hear him on ESPN. And you can check out his site, The 33rd Team. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike. Thank you. On the next Future Sport Podcast, the return to youth sports. It also wasn't just a piece of cake. The larger we get in scale, the more impact we can have on underserved communities. So because we are building this youth franchise platform, what's going to be incumbent and is incumbent upon our franchisees is not only to serve the communities that can register and pay for this, but take volunteer hours and go into these underserved communities and provide the programming that we've built. That's Adam Geisler, co-founder and CEO of Youth Athletes United, whose mission is to open doors previously closed by issues of access and currently closed thanks to a pandemic. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.